Maybe. Welcome, everyone, to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined in studio today by the man, Jay Teal, but also a very special guest, the real man, Dayton Rose. Sweet D is in the studio. My man, Dayton, how you doing, bud? Great. Great to be here. This is fun, guys. Man, I'm excited to have you here. We're going to talk some some Big 12 Championship, right? This is Big 12 Championship Week. Going to talk some Oklahoma State golf. Obviously, Dayton, uh, a former Oklahoma State golfer as well. We're going, to, we're going to go back. We're going to dial up some glory days, bud. So it's going to be fun. We might, might have to dial up some Bruce Springsteen. I don't know if we can clear that, JT. What do you think? No, the glory days, certainly. We're also going to you know open up the scar tissue as well. I mean, I think it's only right there that we, we, uh, we, we open the wounds and we dive inside. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's been to all the therapists. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Peel back the the layers of that onion, boy. So excited to do that. So, but you know, we we've had a busy week, Jay Till. So obviously, it's going to be a busy week this week as well. And again, springtime is here, right? Golf is ramping up. So we're going to talk a little bit about the weekend that you and I had, respectively, uh, uh, out on the golf course, uh, spending some time in southern Oklahoma, southeast Oklahoma. You came back to South Central Oklahoma uh, on Saturday, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Obviously, had some some action at the Zurich uh, down in Nolens this weekend. So yours truly, my may have given out a nine to one winner on the pick. Boom, I can't, baby. I can't recall. We'll, we'll, we'll check the tape and see uh, if I got that right. I'm pretty sure I did. And then obviously talk a lot about Prairie Dunes, right? So we're recording this here on Monday evening, April 26th, but uh, Jay Till and I will be en route to Hutchinson, Kansas tomorrow night, about 24 hours from now. Uh, and we'll see all the action unfold live at Prairie Dunes on Wednesday on the final round. And uh, we'll, we'll give you some updates on the scorecard here as well. So it's getting tight. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas are up there kind of separating themselves after day one. But uh, we'll talk about that and so much more and obviously get some uh, some great Big 12 golf stories from Dayton as well as we kind of get going we're, here. Uh, on we're the we're monitoring the situation currently, and uh, we'll be back with you shortly with some some live leaderboard stuff. We, uh, we know that folks don't listen to these pods necessarily right off the – bat and so i uh, try not to do too many live things but for those of you who may have missed it uh we're recording this again like he said on a monday evening uh launched a podcast uh this morning with ou golfers garrett reband and quade cummins and so if you need a fix from the boomer boomer sooner side uh check that one out um from earlier today but Absolutely, I think we we think we dive in. Uh, we need to show a little love to the folks who pay the bills. I think we do, right? So we we got to pay the light bill around here, and of course, our primary sponsor can't thank those guys enough. Chalk Sports Bar, right? So everybody knows about Chalk, right? Thirteen twenty four West Memorial Road, there in Chisholm Creek Plaza. Follow Ben, Chad, and the entire Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com, or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. The best place to watch a game in the, in the entire state, I think. So, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, you may even go tri-state area, right? So, do people say that anymore, tri-state area? I felt like that used to be a thing growing up. Yeah, I think now. it did, but yeah. I don't know what uh, what three states they were talking yeah, about in the first place. Oklahoma, we're surrounded Texas, by like eight Kansas. states. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we border more than three, right? So, I, I don't know where that phrase come from. But I'm going to stand came from by New Jersey. It. I'm going to stand yeah. by it. So, it, it's the best uh, sports bar in the tri-state area. You West pick the, You pick the three states. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. by far. Absolutely. Uh, 106 TV screens, I think. 108. Did Currently. we get the final number? Yeah, so, yeah, it, it, it kind expands. of fluctuates, you know, yeah. between 106 and 108, depending on uh, what podcast you're listening to, because we can't 
always remember how many yeah. TVs. But over over under is one hundred and six. We're, we're we'll just going to say line. over a hundred televisions. If you're if you're quabbling over the uh, the two that we're not sure about, then uh, you, you'd have too much time on your hands. I agree. Always the favorite. That is Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Well, well, boys, let's dive into it. And JT again, before we get to the real meat and potatoes of this podcast, I think we have to touch on some of the action that took place out on the PGA Tour this weekend. Right? You want to start in New Orleans? Go down, go down to the Zurich. Let's go down to the Bayou. All right, let's go down to the Bayou and a couple of Australian boys uh, end up winning this thing in a playoff, J. Till, and uh, yours truly may have may have picked those guys. Uh, Got a winning pick. I want to say we're uh, what is that? Our, is that our third actual winning pick? You had Vic Hovland. Vic Hovland. Uh, we have this one. Uh, the third one escapes me. I think we nailed another one. Uh, earlier in the spring. But, uh, yeah, got to give it up to the Aussies. Uh, what a team. Those guys seem to really get on well. Uh, Leash after, I believe, Cam Smith put him in the water on 16. Leash chips in for uh, to save that par. Got them into the playoff uh, with our man Louis Oosthuizen and Charles Schwartzel, the South African duo. It was kind of like a nobody-wants-to-win-this-thing situation down the stretch, unfortunately. Uh, but then, although I didn't have the winner, how about Richie Warinsky and our local tie, Mr. Akushnet Titleist himself, Peter Uline, with a third-place finish at 19 under par. Yeah. Uh, I offered that up to the fine folks. Hopefully they took advantage of it out at their local book. Uh, but, I, you know, pretty pretty somewhat boring golf tournament to be quite honest uh funky yeah, format I, you know, it's I like we, we Zurich, clamor all the time yeah, yeah. for something besides individual stroke play and then we get it and it's kind of like well that sucked too so i'm not exactly sure what we want but uh didn't didn't really do it for me uh, the alt shot days were pretty cool like folks putting themselves in, in quite a pickle and so that's kind of fun and then obviously we got to talk about i talk about Finau, which uh, complete disgrace. Yeah, he can't. He melts down. He, <laughs> he he melts down even in a team situation. Yeah, we yeah. we talked about Finau last week on the pod, thinking that hey, he's going to have a partner, right? So maybe he actually has a has a chance to maybe win an event here, and uh, it it did not work out that way for Big Utah uh, again. Just just okay. not enough. But you know, I do I do want to touch on Big or talent. stay with uh, uh, Uline, right? So Oklahoma State guy, right? So we're going to be talking about some Oklahoma State golf uh, with with the DBR coming up here in a moment as well. But he's kind of on a heat right now boy so he wins mm-hmm. on the corn ferry tour out in vegas what a week before out at the mgm comes down to new orleans now and fires a 19 under uh, gets in the money pretty good paycheck for those guys here as well so might be kind of lightning in a bottle here right now so uh, something's definitely working for a uh, for big u-line right now so I, I i was glad to see that yeah he's definitely on a heater and i think we talked about this last week what's crazy is that you know he doesn't have status i didn't have his tour card if they would have won it would have counted just like an individual PGA Tour win, and he would have had two years of status oh, man. on the PGA One Tour. One stroke out of One the playoff. One stroke out of a playoff. I mean, and, you know, he, he's been on tour before and has had his card and has now lost it, so I think he's obviously trending back towards being there, uh, probably gets through Corn Ferry Finals to get his card back. But, yeah, just kind of crazy some of the stuff that happens at this tournament. I think Ryan Palmer has won it a couple times, like riding the back of other folks, you know, he – this is John Rom two John, years ago, two right? Years they ago. were technically defending champs. Obviously, so, uh, COVID uh, took some, it away from us. Crazy last year. stuff happens uh, in terms of you know guys riding another guy's back to a to a victory and uh, FedEx Cup points and whatnot. So interesting, interesting time down in the Bayou, but 
didn't really move the needle for uh, yours truly. Yeah, well, Dayton, I, I want to ask you, have you crossed paths with Uline, maybe out at Karsten in the past or something like that? So I know I, he's probably a few years younger than us, right? So, But yeah, uh, yeah. You, you guys probably probably crossed paths out there before, right? Yeah, a, a few times. It was, uh, like you said, several years ago uh, when, he was, uh, when he was around there. I think it was uh, just toward the end of Ricky's time up there, I think, okay. and around the 2010 time frame. But, yeah, uh, former U.S. amateur champion. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy's got talent for days uh, and has proven himself on the European circuit, no doubt. I think he's won a handful of times over yeah. there. Uh, but uh, great kid, uh, that, you know, has a great attitude. Uh, I don't think it bothers him one bit to work his way back into the fold on the PGA Tour. Uh, and, it, and a lot of times, you know, if you get out there and have some success right when you get there, you don't necessarily appreciate it as much, sure. but you have to work your way back through it. But uh, I think he's one of those guys that once he gets once he gets back out there again, as you said, I mean, he's playing some good golf right now, and maybe that can lead into you know a couple decades worth of consistent play from him out there. Well, yeah, yeah, anybody that you know, wins the USAM obviously has talent, you know, <clears throat> upon talent. So he would uh, you'd expect him uh, to find the form that is needed. And it's kind of crazy. It seems like once you get your PGA Tour card, it's almost harder to lose it than it is to get it because of some of the things that, uh, you know, it's kind of like the rich get richer kind of deal. And so hopefully he gets back there, establishes himself, and, you know, kind of only takes one week. I mean, here, and again, this is a great example. He's not even on tour right now in almost one week, you know, changes his trajectory forever. Yeah, so. we can continue to talk about Will Zalatoris, right, over the last few months. It's yeah. crazy. Willie Z, just, He doesn't have his tour card, but yet he continues to uh, to finish a top 10, top 10, top 10. So he's just one victory away, which, uh, which you know, again, don't don't weep for Willie Z, right? He, he's put a lot of jingle in his pocket here over the last uh, six, eight months. But our man Uline, right, he's, he's put a lot of money in his pocket here over the last couple of weeks. So uh, kudos to him and happy to see a, a local guy, right? So whether it's OU or Oklahoma State do well out there, on the tours, uh, and he seems to be doing quite well as uh, uh, right now, anyways. And I hope that, I hope that form continues. But I, I want to talk about the ladies, J. Till, and so I love you know, talking we, about we the talked ladies. about it. You know, Wilshire Country Club, right out in L.A. The the Hugel Air Premier L.A. Open. I'm, I'm just going to call it the L.A. Open, right? So I, I mean, yeah, I who, who, who sponsors? Air, I, mean, I would never get on an airplane uh, that from excited. from time to time. So, but uh, the Canadian Brooke Henderson. Slips past Jessica Corda and Hannah Green whenever it's all said and done. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, kind of a, a big win for her. 16 under, right? So uh, one one stroke better than Jessica Corda there, but a lot of the big names that you would typically expect to see near the top of the leaderboard on the LPGA were all there, right? So you had Jin Young-Ko uh, finishes a couple of shots back. Uh, Morgan Pressel, a name I haven't heard in a while. but uh, resurgence. Yeah, know that name. And then obviously Nellie Corda uh, was a few shots back as well. But uh, Brooke Henderson, kudos to her, right? She had been kind of been put on death watch, hadn't won in several years after uh, coming out pretty strong. 2017, and, right? Yeah, 2017. And the thing is, I thought that Corda and JY Co. kind of had this thing on lock. They had, I want to say, a three and two stroke lead over Henderson going into the day. Um, Saturday finish, if folks will recall. Yeah, Wednesday through Saturday. Um, yeah. this, this past weekend at Wilshire. But, yeah, they kind of go out and, and kind of throw in a dud. Both shoot one over par on Saturday, and and Brooke blows right past him. Shoots uh, shoots a four under 68 and uh, comes down with her, yeah, was it her, is it her fourth PGA, uh, LPGA Tour title? Um, who can say? Who keeps yeah. up with these I things? I know it's been three or four years. I think you guys um, are right. But yeah. very, very interesting. Good to see her. She's, she's fairly popular. I, I'm not a huge fan. Like, the swing, kind of tough. But some of these ladies just have – 
absolutely rhythmic swings, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, she's not one of them, but she's gritty, a uh, competitor, gets it out there a long ways uh, uh, for the ladies' side of things. So so kudos to her. Always love the the Canadian listeners. Obviously, will be thrilled to see one of their own uh, bag another trophy. Real big in the Northwest Territories. Real big. We're real big in the real Northwest big, Territories. Real uh, big up there. So, yeah. Fun to watch. Uh, we talked about it last week. Uh, a place like Wilshire Country Club is a place that only the LPGA Tour can go uh, based on the length of the golf course, but a super cool venue. And uh, the bit that I did take in uh, did not disappoint. Uh, you mentioned Nelly, kind of a top 10 machine, looking for her to break out in a major, but uh, another fun watch out on the ladies' side of things. Real well, quick on on uh, the ladies' tour, if I may. If you want to learn how to actually play the game of golf, go watch a women's tour event. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Like, there's – granted, you're not going to see somebody – I feel like right now I have the Michael Scott gif. Thank you. <laughs> Credibility vindicated. <laughs> go on, please. But they, they uh, you know, you're not going to see Bryson, you know, flying the ball 350, which, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that's – it's the same way as like a, you know, somebody doing a 360 dunk in the NBA – but as far as learning how to play the game and getting better as a golfer is concerned, for 99.9% of us, it's, you know, how do I get the ball in the hole in fewer shots? They can teach you how to do that. You yeah. go watch them. The ego is not involved, and that is the biggest key to it. They hit the shots they're supposed to hit. And uh, it's, it's not going to just, you know, blow your mind by any means, but, you know, it doesn't have to. Like, people who go out and do whatever – it is that they need to do or have to do to win a golf tournament. Just watch that. It's yeah. it's impressive. And yeah, totally I mean agree. you look at the scores that they shoot, it's not I mean it's not like they're shooting even par every week to win these. Oh things. yeah. These, I mean, these are the best women golfers in the world. And they I mean, they consistently show up week after week. I mean, the top fifteen in most of these tournaments is the same. And uh, but it's a they play golf and it's and it's a different type of impressive. But yeah, like I said, you wanna you wanna get better. Watch how women play the game. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent agree. And again, Jay Till has been, you know, speaking the virtues of watching the LPGA Tour for the last, I mean, since we started this thing, really, right? Pod so, one, I think. yeah, absolutely. And and you guys, you're exactly right. So again, it may not be, uh, you know, quite as as fancy as watching somebody hit it 360 down the fairway, but it's all about getting it to the hole in fewer strokes. And you guys are exactly right. So I agree, one hundred percent. Good stuff there. And again. I, I, the major championships, I mean, they're compelling watches. I mean, I, I, I love watching those. Again, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you guys and tell you I watched a lot of LA Open this weekend. I didn't watch a lot of the Zurich Open this weekend. didn't watch any of it, uh, to be honest with you. But I, I agree 100%. Um, it's, a, it, it's a different game, but uh, but it's just as compelling, I, I think, from a viewership standpoint and also uh, learning how to get around the course as well. So Now, we're going to go light treatment on the tours this weekend oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because we, we had some uh, fun experiences on our own this past week, JT. I know Dayton was asking us right before we kind of got on the podcast, before we hit the record button here as to some of the things that we were up to this and past week. fairway but, file uh, segment here. Let, let's, let's fire it up, my friend. And so let, let's hearken back to Wednesday afternoon when our man Scooter Gersh rounds the corner here just outside the <laughs> studio in a 37-foot RV. And uh, I'll, I'll let you take it from here, my friend. Well, there's no way that Scooter is licensed to drive that thing, certainly. <laughs> Come to find out, he's not all that qualified to drive the thing. Uh, I'll fairly, defend you, Scott. I thought you did Fairly fine. terrifying getting from here past, you know, Tinker Air Force Base. Once we kind of get out in the open road, 
Uh, certainly my uh, anxiety level went down about 17 notches. You asked to sit in that cabin and, uh, <laughs> it was It was quite enjoyable. Obviously, giving Scooter a hard time. He did a great job. I think he was worn out by the time we got done because oh, holding, yeah. that, holding that RV, even against a 10-mile-an-hour wind, I think is tough. But we headed down to uh, Beaver's Bend State Park, and uh, a place actually our man Sweet D has some familiarity with. The last time I had the pleasure of playing uh, the course known as Cedar Creek uh, was with our man DBR. Uh, Dayton, take us back, uh, since we have you, to uh, just what you remember impressions of that property could be tough because you may not remember it because uh, that was about 12 years ago maybe 13 years ago probably some adult beverages involved could too, have been an adult beverage yeah. i know one thing that came out of that was you know if if the ball's trundling what else you want me to call it besides trundling right so our man bradley our man b fokker always <laughs> delivering but uh you know what, what were your impressions and what do you remember from that and then we can kind of paint the picture of, of what it's like now well, as you said, it's it was uh, it was a while ago, and I don't think the the length of time necessarily keeps me from remembering it as much as the adult beverages probably did. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you don't go to the golf course to have a bad time. Yeah, so, I mean, for sure. And it Absolutely. just happens to inhibit that if you happen to have one or two. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Whole. Um, but uh, yeah, I, the thing that sticks out most to me though was just how much that piece of property just needed a little bit of TLC. It was. Uh, like there's water on, I would, I, I can't remember. You, you may have to correct me on this, but I mean, I want to, I want to say it was at least five or six holes where yep. the lake comes in yep. there. And I mean, phenomenal views. Like you don't realize, I mean, it's, it looks like it's, I mean, someplace in, you know, Arkansas or Georgia or yep. something like that. Exactly it was, right. it was a great piece of property. Uh, not a, not necessarily a flat piece of property either. Oh gosh. Huge, huge yeah. amount yeah. of elevation change. A lot of trees, uh, but uh, that was the thing that stuck out to me was just like the how how nice the property was and what could be done with it. Well, they have certainly started the process of what can be done with it, and you know those lake views that you talk about were completely had become completely obscured from the golf course because of the tree uh, growth and the underbrush growth that had happened, and so the big part of phase one, as they're calling it, of the renovation was a ton of tree removal that opened up even better views of the lake than what we experienced. Uh, unbelievable, particularly the, the 14th hole and the 16th hole, you're hitting kind of to a more, almost like an infinity green, very cool approach shots, and then uh, along that same tree removal front, you could see based on the sod that they had laid on di almost every single hole where they had removed trees to widen the playing corridors. And I remember it being tight, but based on where the trees had to have been, where the sod was, it was like bowling alley tight. Like how in the world does anybody get around this golf course? And so a lot of work. Just got to trundle it down the Just got to trundle it. When it's trundling, what do you want me to call it? Um so that was the, that kind of the main scope of the work. They did rebuild three of the greens. Uh, we recorded a, what turned out to be an awesome podcast with uh, the architect, uh, Colton Craig. You can find that out on uh, all of our channels, uh, and he kind of walked through the process there. But uh, they've, they've put a lot of resources into it, and again, just phase one, as we found out. So we had a great time. We uh, were really, they rolled out the red carpet for us. The great, just friendly folks down there had the chance to uh, – talk with uh, Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell, who's big in the tourism front. And then uh, Keith had just a Jim Dandy treat to uh, welcome a very special guest 
uh, and do an interview. Keith, you want to talk about uh, your time with the Chief? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, chief of the Choctaw Nation, uh, Gary Batten, was there and uh, you know really enjoyed talking to him. I, you know, I, I still remember a little bit of Choctaw from back in the day, Dayton. So, you know, I took the classes uh, in high school. I actually took it at OU as well. It's been about, you know, 10 or 15 years since I, I kind of practiced it. But I think I threw him off there a little bit. So I kind of I, I threw, threw a Jalito out there and yeah, uh, he, asked him how he was doing. He, he kind of came eyebrow. back at me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, these guys – they may be legit here. Now, our golfing skills may not, you know, uh, justify or give well, us a bonafide. Well, he didn't get to see that. Right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. He, he I can tell you there. the scorecard that we turned in suggested <laughs> that we were awesome. Yeah, Scooter's pencil was a little loose on that one, I think. So, <laughs> and, we, and we still didn't win whenever it was all said and done. But we we actually we played really well on the front nine. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I think the maybe a couple of adult beverages kind of kicked in on the back nine, although we didn't play bad. Not for on me, the Mom. Back nine, so, yeah, you were well-behaved. Uh, I was not. So, uh, But enjoyed it nonetheless. But, uh, yeah, I, I'll tell you – you know, it's not just the golf course there at Beaver's Bend. That that oh whole Hochatown gosh. area, my goodness. I mean, I was blown away because, like you guys, you know, I grew up in southeast Oklahoma, right? So I grew up in Pittsburgh County, uh, probably about an hour and a half north, uh, give or take, uh, of where Beaver's Bend is located there on the north side of Broken Bow. Um, and what I recall, you know, growing up, and again, it's probably been 10 or, 10 or 12 years since the last time I was there, it's the sticks, right? It's the middle of nowhere. Yeah, mm. there's a park down there, and it's very scenic, and it's very isolated, and that's probably part of the appeal. But I'll tell you, the number of bars and restaurants and shops and the bowling alley we went to on Wednesday, no, we, we kind of had a late uh, late dinner on Wednesday, and so a lot of things were closed, but the bowling alley was still open. The food was great. Had a great time there. I was blown away by the amount of economic development that has taken place in that area over just really probably the last two years, 18 months, it sounds like, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just explosion uh, could not be uh, a better figurative term for what has happened down there. And the bowling alley, Keith, speaking of uh, maybe one of the greatest names of an establishment I've ever heard, Gutter Chaos. Oh, I mean, <laughs> nailed it. They nailed it. Nailed it. Um, the Big Lebowski was on the menu uh, quite quite a time there. Uh, lucky to have it because we, we didn't realize things do. Although the economic development is is intense, uh, things close a little early on a Wednesday yeah. night in uh, Hochtown. Yeah, we stayed a little long longer than anticipated at the tasting room there for kind of a little meet and greet. Yeah, great whiskey there, dignitaries. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, so great time. We're gonna do a deep dive podcast on Cedar Creek. It merits its own pod. Uh, yeah. Break down the golf course itself. Bring on Lieutenant Governor Prinell, uh, Chief Patone. Uh, and some other dignitaries uh, that joined us, but it was it was a great time. And then we transitioned, uh, at least we being me, transitioned on Saturday, Friday evening and Saturday to a No Laying Up Refuge event down at Dornick Hills, home of Perry Maxwell, final home of Perry Maxwell, as he's buried off the 7th Fairway. Respect. Uh, R.I.P. PDM. Had a great time and played some Pretty darn good golf, to tell you the truth. Uh, was a little bit uh, out of the money personally, but happy to say that Team Oklahoma in an Oklahoma v. Texas uh, square off war victorious. Uh, one well stroke victory. One stroke victory. So you got we had we had five twosomes on each squad. Twenty guys total came down to one solitary stroke. We were hitting cups. Stroke play. Good thing you made that uh, that putt for triple bogey on 18, bud. The putt for triple was just as important as the hole-out eagle. You earned it. From 130 on 15 that our A player made. On that 15? wasn't me. On 15, hold it out from 130 for eagle. Ended up being the difference in the tournament. 
Amazing wow. stuff. Amazing stuff. I uh, had a great time. Again, we're going to do maybe not a deep dive on that, but going to do uh, a pod segment uh, at some point in the future. Maybe bring on the uh, – we did kind of a, a winning twosome and then an accumulative team uh, scoring. And so got to give a shout-out uh, to the twosome of uh, at Smith 16 and at S McGavin 1 who were the, the two-man team victors, and earned themselves a spot. Turns out No Laying Up does a national tournament down in Jacksonville called the NIT, the Nest Invitational Tournament. You're in the nest once you qualify, and uh, they, they earned themselves a spot there. So they'll be taking the trek down to Jack's Beach uh, first weekend in November, I think. So shout-out to cool. uh, their real names are Reagan and Trey for the uh, for the uninitiated to the, the message board scene, which, uh, you know, it's a dark place, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a sickness. There's no doubt about it. You're, you're Terminal. Into it, so. uh, well, great stuff there. Well, you know, the the main part of this podcast that we wanted to focus in. It turns out this know, is the Big 12 Championship this Preview. This is the Big 12 uh, Championship Preview. We haven't talked preview. about any of that yet, so again, get, saddle up, everybody. So 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 get 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 dialed in here, get comfortable, right? Get you get you an adult beverage and uh, and settle in here. But uh, you know, currently as it stands right now, the uh, the second round, right? So we're playing 36 holes here on Monday afternoon. I, I mean, about two thirds of the way through right now. But uh, Oklahoma State's Bo Jin, currently the only golfer. Under under par. Uh, he is on 18 on his second U.S. Round, Open broke out up there at Prairie Dunes. That's right. Uh, our man Quade Cummins, who you interviewed uh, on Friday, J. Till, and we posted that last night, early this morning. Uh, he is uh, in second at even par. So Quade had a, had a great great first round earlier this morning. He shot a 67. He's you know leaking a little bit of oil here in the afternoon. But again, conditions are much, much tougher this afternoon. And then Texas is Cole Hammer, uh, the only other golfer at even par or better. Uh, it's it's tough conditions. It is tough conditions. So let's talk a little bit about Prairie Dunes, or or, or, or do we want to we want to go? We probably want to get the background of DBR first, right? So yeah, I think you know uh, a lot of folks who follow college golf here recently don't realize that Prairie Dunes uh, it was kind of the multi year host. It was kind of the place that we held the Big Twelve Championship for for many consecutive years before it started. We'll call it rotating around uh, a bit. Um, but there was a stretch where it was held at Prairie Dunes for, for several years. Uh, Dayton had the uh, honor of playing in one of those Big 12 championships at Prairie Dunes, so we thought, what a better person to talk a little college golf, give us a little insight into the, frankly, powerhouse that is Oklahoma State Cowboy Golf. Uh, you know, they call themselves a golf school for a reason, and it's because of the prolific amount of winning that that program has done. So, we do want to talk about that. So, sweet D, let's let's kind of go pre OSU because we're going to get formative deep. years. We're going to get the deep formative years. into uh, Stillwater America and uh, in your time out at Karsten Creek. But give us a sense of your time growing up out in uh, M Dub. Uh, your uh, your dad, obviously, big into junior golf, uh, was a big influence in that regard. But you know, kind of take us uh, start to finish from how how you got into the game coming up to the junior ranks and uh, maybe leave off just before we get to uh, heading up heading up to Stillwater. Sure. Uh, I was listening to the uh, podcast that you guys had with uh, with Quaid and, and uh, Garrett Reband earlier, and I think uh, Reband said that the first baby picture of him was with a golf club in his hand, and yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't far off from that. <laughs> uh, it was, I think it was a, I had a Phillies cap on and a diaper and a golf club and a sack of balls <laughs> in the backyard. 
but so I, I pretty much learned golf by osmosis through my dad and his Love friends. It. And he, my dad was and still is a very good golfer. Uh, he was like when he was my age and uh, I was, you know, eight to 12 years old, I was, uh, you know, I just, all he and all his friends all shot par and yeah. around that. So I just kind of expected that that's what everybody did. <laughs> and, uh, so I just oh, I, oh the, the oh, naivety oh, of youth, oh, right? Billy. So, oh, oh, Billy. The naivety. Oh, Billy. <laughs> oh, and I had Caddyshack memorized by the time I was 10. But, uh, we, we did say that our next <laughs> podcast arm is going to be movie quotes by Sweet D, and it will be an absolute chart topper. Expansive. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so grew up uh, pretty much playing golf, baseball, basketball all of that and then had to make the decision between golf and baseball uh when i was 12 or 13 and okay. that was not a light decision that was uh something that was very difficult still uh up there pretty high on most difficult decisions that i've that i've had to make but uh ended up choosing golf because i hated practicing baseball and <laughs> not necessarily that i loved golf that much huh. but, <laughs> interesting um but uh uh yeah so made that decision around 12 13 thought, you know, there's probably a pretty good chance that if I keep down the path that I'm on, I might be able to pay for some school and help mom and dad out with all that. And, uh, and then played high school golf at uh, Carl Albert High School, go Titans. Um, and uh, was lucky enough to win a couple individual state championships there. And uh, I think we got, we finished second as a team my senior year, uh, which was a difficult swallow, but I think we, we, we were in the midst of a uh, quite the Ardmore Tiger run at that time. Oh, really? Yeah. Who were some of the guys yeah. on the Ardmore? Well, both. I want to hear who was on Carl Albert team and who was on the Ardmore squads. Carl uh, Albert, we had uh, Corey Bowles, uh, Kyle Karoki, Clay Belk, uh, kid named Gavin Hall that was a freshman, I believe, that year. I think that was our five that, uh, that my senior year. But then uh, the Ardmore guys, um, God, I mean – from the from my freshman year through senior year, there were a ton of them that could have played or did play D one golf. Uh, Bo Gallion, Bridger Cox, Austin Morris. Jeez, um, I know I'm forgetting a ton of them, but uh, I mean they they probably had 15 guys through a four or five year period that all played college golf. Unbelievable! Um, like that, That's pretty wild. Out of Ardmore, I, I, yeah. I can't I can't so imagine what what like, class was that dating at the time? Was it five A, five A? Okay, yeah. 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 But uh, anyway, so that's what that's what got me to uh, the point of prior to OSU. So then um, decided to actually OSU wasn't even on my uh, like final four or five of schools to go to. Well, let's go there. What at the time, right? Now, not necessarily like in retrospect, but at the time, what went into your personal either thought process or where you were being guided? Because I don't even, I, as much as we've talked over the years, I don't, I've never asked you that question. So I don't even know the answer to this one. You know, what, what was the process itself like? And then tell us about what went into your process of getting to your four, who were those, and go from there. The, the recruiting process was kind of wild. Um, so of course, all you want to do as a kid is just go out and perform and like mm -hmm. go shoot as low as you can. Like for yourself, you don't necessarily go out and like try to shoot scores for like to get a scholarship. You're just trying to be <laughs> successful that day, yeah. you know. Uh, but it got to the point, you know, the last uh, I would say like between my sophomore and junior year, I think when most kids are 16, 
Yeah. That's uh, that's when it got pretty intense, and you know, pretty much every round you play, if you've established yourself on a national level, uh, that it gets a little bit wild with having four or five coaches watching every round that you play, whether it's in the state regional, you know, tournament or whether it's the, you know, U.S. junior. But uh, it was a little bit crazy with all the kind of the mail that came through. And my dad, bless his heart, was all for uh, taking care of all of that for me. So I didn't really have to, I didn't have to open. I mean, I, I, I opened all the letters and stuff like that, but he was the one that kind of kept track of what, how things stood with all the colleges and all that. So um, as far as, you know, how it got whittled down to, uh, the final few, it pretty much was, um, you know, you want to go to a place where you can compete for a national championship. And, um, I grew up a, you know, I guess OU and OSU fan just in general for like the colleges themselves. Mm-hmm. I was a, you know, OU football fan growing up and, uh, wasn't, I wasn't not an OSU football fan, you know, right. when watched Barry Sanders and Thurman Thomas when I was a kid. And I guess yeah, there's, I never, I didn't have any like true allegiance to one or the other, but, uh, I obviously knew of the record of OSU golf. Sure. And, uh, it just so happened that the guy that was a, a teacher of mine until I was, I think from the time I was like 11, when my dad was like, he's not going to listen to me just because I'm dad, even <laughs> though I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, uh, from that time until I was 14, where it, I just couldn't do it anymore for NCAA rules, happened to be uh, Mike McGraw. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so, where was he co- teaching at at the time? Uh, well, he was the he was at Edmond North High School. Okay. And like at Kicking Bird. Okay. Uh, up there and. That was uh, the guy that, and it, it was funny, our lessons that we would have, I would hit about eight balls in an hour and a half. Oh, my god! It was all just, like, talking and mentally, like, sure. so yeah. much more that than anything else. And um, I remember every time I would leave one of those lessons, it just felt like you could beat the world. Um, and just like, I didn't do anything physically. This yeah. was all just how, like, my, my approach to life and golf specifically. But uh, uh, anyway, so I have held uh, Mike McGraw uh, at the top of my list of humans that I've ever known. Still do. Um, and uh, so he had a large involvement in uh, my recruitment to OSU. And uh, he was the one that actually, when I remember I called him to let him know that I was not considering OSU. And he had, he had some pretty uh, – <laughs> The most worked up that I had seen him at that point, <laughs> whenever, whenever, whenever I told him that. And he was like, wait, whoa, 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 hold on, hold, 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 hold on. I can uh, paraphrase and yeah. probably it sounded like, <laughs> no, you are considering OSU. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, long story short, I went up there for a visit the next uh, the next weekend and uh, the rest is history. And what year did you graduate high school? 2001. Okay, so well into Karsten being what Karsten is. Uh, uh, Karsten Creek, seven is. years after they opened, yeah. Okay, so you were at uh, Okie State, then uh, 01 to 05-ish? Yes. Okay. So Right between national championships. Okay. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> yes. we'll file that under you can't win them all. <laughs> uh, so you, you, arrive, um, you arrive in Stillwater, and uh, Coach Mike Holder still running the controls of the Cowboy golf program. Uh, It escapes me when he transitioned from uh, head golf coach to athletic director, which I can tell you 
not many athletic departments in the country where the golf coach becomes the athletic director, if that tells you anything about both Mike Holder uh, and then the uh, the Cowboy Golf Program. But it was 05. It was his last year. 05, oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. it kind of coincided with you. Was that coincidental yeah. that he just couldn't uh, take it anymore? <laughs> back to your I'm done, done with these kids. I'm done with them. <laughs> sweet, sweet D finally broken. Uh, <laughs> oh, the long... Well, <laughs> we have to... We either edit out the long laughter or we'll keep it in. Who knows, right? Let's go uh, roll with it. <laughs> had to press pause for another beer after that. And a long sip. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you, you arrive on, on, on campus, I guess we'll say. Uh, for those who haven't been to Karsten Creek, Karsten is about, uh, what, probably five to seven miles outside of the, the outskirts of Stillwater. And so it, it's definitely not a campus golf course, even though it is a OSU-owned and run golf course. But let's just say you arrived on campus. And uh, what, what do you kind of remember? It's not owned by the university, actually. Oh, it's, it's not? No, it's owned by uh, Cowboy Golf Incorporated. Oh, we'll, we'll have yep. to dive into that because I didn't even know that existed. <clears throat> yep. So we'll, uh, in our, tell us more about the program. Let's let's loop back around to that. Yep. But when you get there, you know, that first semester, um, just curious, just from a college a golfer standpoint, like what what's that look like? How is that different than what you experienced at Carl Albert? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, you can... Uh, and give the listeners some kind of some uh, vivid things to, to think about here. Well, uh, one of my favorite golf courses I've ever played in my life and just also happened to be the one that I worked at, still had the longest tenured job uh, of my life, <laughs> John Conrad yeah. Golf Course in Midwest City, which is undergoing a pretty substantial it is, yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah, getting and a I'm facelift. Yeah, Pretty excited about what that's going to become. Um, but uh, so I, that's where I grew up. That's the kind of golf course I was used to playing. And uh, – not to discredit Conrad in any any form or fashion, but uh, Karsten is a little different animal. Yep. Um, so it's it, you know you go out from most of the courses you're playing are 68, 6900 yards in high school golf and in junior golf, and then you get to Karsten. And at the time, I think the longest that that could stretch out to was about seventy three hundred, which is a big golf course. Right now, I think it's up to close to seventy seven hundred. Yeah, kind of, kind of kind of maxed Crazy. it out at this point, yeah. according to what Coach Bratton has said. So <clears throat> right, uh, so yeah, that was a that was a different world, um, and there were uh, some growing pains with that. You know, just getting out there and you know, the way that we go up and play a golf course like that now, which is just cut out of a blackjack forest. Mm-hmm. Like the fairways are gigantic; and they're 60, 70 yards wide. But better not miss it outside of that. Yeah, you're. You know, re-tee. Yep. At least that's what we did in college. Now, we just, oh, yeah, this is in this general spot. I'm just going to play this as a <laughs> lateral hazard and, you know, lose one instead of two. Yeah. But, I mean, we'd go out there and like, qualifying. The scores these guys are shooting now in qualifying up there, like 66, 67 is no big deal. Anybody broke 70 at that point? Yeah. Like, that was a huge huh. deal. Wow. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> the majority of the of the – I probably didn't see anybody – shoot under 70 10 times in four years and wow. i'd say probably eight of those were hunter so what do you, what do you and we're going to get in you mentioned hunter we're going to get into kind of the uh you know your, your roster while you were there because i think folks will be interested in that um but i'm gonna let me take take me to what, what do you think has changed is it strictly equipment and uh you know the physicality of the way golf has become i think it's i think equipment has something to do with it for sure um the golf ball specifically uh, yeah. You can talk about golf clubs all you want, but there's, I mean, there's restrictions on that. And 
there's restrictions on the golf ball too, but it is a uh, the golf ball just flies completely different. I mean, you watch like the the launch monitor, like TrackMan things. I mean, you see you can see the the correction that the golf ball makes in the air. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. Is, that is a that is a huge difference than it was you know twenty years ago. And uh, so is that would you say like the, so the foul balls aren't as foul? Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So so at Karsten, one direction, where it it was like you hit a foul ball, like you're reteeing. Now it's you hit a foul ball, and maybe it's in the findable, or maybe it's in the okay findable. Yeah. 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 Uh, Interesting. But and granted, that's not. I think the biggest thing is that now there are athletes playing golf, mm. uh, and yeah. there are just like sports specific training when you're a teenager. Yeah. To golf, I think that's the bigger thing. Okay. Uh, there are you know kids grow up now, and you know I mean they've got that sport specific training, like weightlifting, uh, you know, whatever, any kind of routines, not to mention, uh, the, like the stretching yoga, like that, that sort of thing, which is like your flexibility in golf is paramount. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Else. Uh, well, yeah. Especially when you see a guy, like you mentioned reband, but like a Justin Thomas, I mean, five, nine, one sixty soaking wet. And he is just absolutely slinging it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all a, about the flexibility it, and the speed. Right, right. And now there's so much money in golf. I mean, it's as, as attractive as playing in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? it is. And yeah. uh, so that inevitably generates more interest from the true athletes instead of the guys that couldn't play basketball, football, or baseball. Right. So I think that's a big a big change as to why it's why golfers have gotten so much better. Well, I think it's good that you say that, Dayton, about, you know, athletes playing golf. And again, this is a podcast, right? So it's not quite a visual medium here. But for those of you who don't know, Dayton, Dayton's built like a brick shithouse. Like, he, he looks like he could <laughs> he could play linebacker or, or DB, you know, strong safety or something for Oklahoma State or OU or whomever and stuff. And you mentioned, you know, pretty pretty good athlete back in the day as well. I know you had some had some knee surgeries and stuff, right? So, so probably not quite as active on the basketball court maybe as you used to. But I, I think you're spot on, man, is that, is that the game has changed a little bit. It with the the type of or perhaps caliber of athlete that um, that that is now playing golf, right? But but it's because of those things that you mentioned is that it's probably just as attractive to teenagers, youngsters uh, as maybe other sports, right? You know, you, you talked about having to make that hard decision between you know maybe baseball and golf, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's astute, uh, very very a very good good point. And I think a lot of uh, from what I've heard from several college coaches as well, like not just. Uh, you know, directional schools, but I mean, like from like the higher D one programs, and I'm pretty sure that they're uh, like we currently have kids at both OU, OSU. I'm sure Tulsa. I mean, it's and but I know like the Arkansas coach Brad McMakin has uh, like specifically pointed out that he loves to go after uh, kids that are good basketball players, hmm. like when they're in you know freshman sophomore year of high school, and uh, that. That specific sport, for some reason, I think just like the the, you don't necessarily need quick thinking with golf, but there's something to the hand eye along with yeah, that. Yeah, hand eye absolutely. And uh, fast, work, fast twitch, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fast twitch muscles. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it's 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 interesting to see the how it's changed from because you don't see any. I hesitate to say it, but Craig Stadler's not <laughs> yeah. there anymore. You know, not just the kids that have the good hands that. You know, I mean, you've got to, and that's also part of the, part of the job while you're in college is, I mean, 30% of the time that you're 
working in your day. It's also like honing your body to be able to perform. Yeah. Well, Coach Bratton talked about that back in February whenever we had him on the right. Pod J Tills. Like it's not it's not just going out there and playing, right? There there's kind of a regimen that's kind of specified or tailored to the individual athlete up there. Well, and I totally agree. And I, I'm curious, you know, you kind of land on campus. Did, was that a big change for you as well? Kind of that more, uh, you know, hardcore, for lack of a better term, strength and conditioning program? Because, uh, yeah, I mean, you're definitely um, somebody now who you know, does a lot of physical activity, a lot of working out, and have even transformed, I think, yourself. You may be post-college, but, you know, talk about that transition coming into college and it being more than just, hey, I can go out and play golf every day. Right. Yeah, that was uh, like I, I came into college and I wasn't necessarily like fat, but I wasn't in great shape. You can say fat on this I podcast. Was, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, Festively I, plump? Is I, that, <laughs> is that right? I was festive. I was festive. <laughs> Mom fed me well. Uh, but uh, yeah, so show up on campus and at that point in 01, that was just after kind of when Tiger started making things like, mm-hmm. you know, weight training, yeah. everybody was still Ti- questioning. In the, in you know, the like, midst of the Tiger Slam, yeah. Yeah, uh, and Tiger kind of had people thinking about whether weight training was good or not, Yeah, you know. And so we were right on the uh, cutting edge of that. And I think Golf Digest actually did a, a, a story on our specific mm. program uh, with, like, there was one, I remember one fall semester that we had that, I think everybody on our team put on at least 12 or 15 pounds and whether it's of course not all muscle immediately, but we played in a tournament. I think it was like the uh, Hooters match played down in South Carolina. uh, And it was noticeable how much farther we were all hitting the golf ball than everybody else. And so that was what prompted that story in golf digest. But um, so, but at the same time, at that point we were not, golf specific and how we were lifting we were lifting like football players we right, actually right, had right. one of yeah. the uh, one of the football trainers was you know, okay putting putting weight on us and yeah and in the spring we were all injured and so it just you know it speaks to you know how much farther and better things are now with you know you throw a few things out there some of it's going to land and it's kind of like what bryson's going through right sure. now i mean at some point i think you know, he says he hadn't lost any flexibility. I've got a hard time believing that personally. Yeah, there's no way. And he's uh, even leaned up here in the last couple, has, three months, noticeably, yeah. uh, which has to be an intentional move on his part because everything he does is very scientifically based. So I'm sure he's uh, noticed that for sure. Right. Um, but, yeah, we, we did that. And uh, so that was definitely a change because I had never lifted a weight before I went to college. And uh-huh. uh, so, yeah, just being sore constantly and trying to – go out and qualify. Yeah. Like, and like every, these <laughs> yeah, shots matter, absolutely. but my, my, my muscles won't work. Like, uh, that was a, you know, pretty big, almost as much of a mental hurdle as it was physical. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was a big change. Um, and, uh, so I, th- I think there were only a couple handfuls of, of college teams that were doing that at that point. Otherwise it was the, you know, yoga had kind of started to make a little bit of a dent in, uh, as you know, golf coaches understanding that that's beneficial. And then, but other than that, it was just like, for the most part, people were just concerned, but just be in decent shape so you can go walk 36 holes. That's right. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, picking up on something you said there, you know, <clears throat> the mental hurdles of things. Um, talk about Coach Holder a little bit. You know, I think that um, – Got, got to be about as old school of a guy as there is. I mean, still probably yet. I mean, things like you know being innovative with strength and conditioning, 
uh, being a visionary when it came to the uh, property there at Karsten Creek, and then obviously goes on and has some great vision um, as the athletic director. Uh, but that being said, I think uh, by all accounts is known as a pretty pretty tough customer, tough love, and I'm sure that was a uh, a tough thing to kind of come into. So talk about coach, both the you know the things that were challenging, but also the things you took away from him that you know you still value to this day. There are a lot of uh, a lot of bullet points that I could go down with, <laughs> with Coach Holder, uh, and uh, we we butted heads pretty hard. Uh, like our personalities just weren't uh, weren't the best to be around each other. I'm much more jovial, respond to positive reinforcement. Yeah. Uh, he and he he wasn't used to that. Uh, like my I think around that time was when things just kind of change a little bit with uh, with kids. And you know how yeah. <laughs> how things are how things are done. You millennials, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, and I, I'll be completely honest with that. It's like, yeah, I, I did not respond well to that, but I wasn't afraid of telling him that I didn't like it. You know, um, huh. so so I was. He and I did not uh, get along very well. And I, I'm not the first person that went to OSU and played golf for him that had that sentiment. You know, yeah. But uh, one thing that I definitely did learn though was uh, I. I learned toughness and like how to, you know, get through things that, yeah, I mean, he, he can make you uncomfortable and like, but he did it on purpose. Like, so next time you get on the golf course and you otherwise would be uncomfortable, you can get back to this moment and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be easier because you've got some experience dealing with this feeling before. Like the, the best holder story that I've got as far as teaching you from a completely ridiculous beating you up point of view was we played golf one day. I think it was like sophomore or, or my junior year. We were out at Carson and it was 39 degrees outside. Wind was blowing 15 miles an hour. It rained for five and a half straight hours. Oh. And so we're carrying our umbrellas, carrying our golf bags, trying to keep our clubs dry as well as we can. It's a qualifying day. This isn't just out jacking around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, by the, I don't know, 12th or 13th hole. I mean, nobody's clubs are dry right. at that point. And I think I shot like one or two over on the front nine, and I was just elated. I mean, I think it was <laughs> beat, beating everybody in my group. I know that. Yeah. And uh, we get to the back nine. By about number 14, couldn't hold on to the golf club. I think I shot like 36 53. Oh my God. It was, it was just like physically, I just couldn't hold on to the club. Yeah. Couldn't feel anything anymore. Cause it just, I mean, right, right, like, yeah. and you better not hit one on solid cause you're going to feel it all the way up your shoulders mm-hmm. into your soul. <laughs> and, uh, so, but whenever we got done and everybody was saying, you know, we, every, every time we got done with a qualifying round, you went up to the top near the clubhouse and you say right down the line, what you shot that day. And everybody was saying 85, 94, 88, you know, and, uh, I think I, I think I was 88, 89, something like that. So it made me feel better once people started saying those numbers around that, you know, <laughs> right. but, uh, after we got done with that holder said, he was like, guys, you're never going to play a more difficult round of golf than you just did. Yeah. And I remember going forward from that point, anytime conditions got difficult in any tournament that I played in, I harped back to that day. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, this is easy compared to that day. Yeah. And like that mental advantage just to like be like, oh, this, I guarantee I'm in better spirits than this guy is because right. I know, uh, I know that he hasn't done what I have. 
Yeah, no, that, that harkens back to an interview that we did with uh, former OKC Mayor Mick Cornett what, a few weeks ago, exactly right? Talking about the conditions and saying, like, I, I just want to be there more than the next guy, right? And so, you know, kind of going down that line of saying, hey, look, it's tough, it's brutal, it's ugly out here, it's cold, it's windy, it's wet, but I want to be here. And because of that, I'm going to kick that guy's butt because he doesn't want to be here. So now, uh, probably probably a good, good life <laughs> lesson learned there. Uh, certainly something that translates uh, outside uh, of the golf course as well. But, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, and, and JT touched on it, you know, Hunter, obviously talking about Hunter Mahan, right? So uh, you guys uh, were teammates at uh, uh, during your tender at Oklahoma State. But for our listeners out there, uh, DBR, maybe throw it out there, you know, who were the guys on the team during that three, four-year stretch that you were there? Obviously going to be a bunch of names that we probably recognize, but, you know, kind of kind of talk us through the makeup of the team during your tenure uh, and, uh, and kind of uh, give us some insight on that. So my freshman year, um, I came in – and one of the seniors uh, was a Swedish guy named Anders Holtman. And he was my, uh, like, had, had a little bit like a mentor, like big brother yeah, program. Sure, for sure. The, yep. for, we had, there were four of us uh, freshmen in addition to Hunter that came, who was a year older than us as far as class was concerned. Cause he, his freshman, Hunter, freshman year was at USC. Yeah, I was going to say he transferred. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so we had five new guys on the team that, that fall. And so, uh, uh, Coach Holder implemented a kind of a mentor mentee program, mm. which I thought was great because I mean I I felt like I got the best one. Like uh, Anders is I guess top notch of an individual as you can come across, and uh, like most of the Swedes are. I mean they're just like yeah. the sweetest people you'll ever meet. Yeah, but um, so Anders is there, and he I, th- I think speaking of Prairie Dunes, uh, the one uh, Big Twelve tournament that I did play there, I'm pretty sure he was the victor. Like well, you're right, yeah. Uh, so would that have been the 01 or the 02? That'd be the 02. Okay. Uh, but Anders was a hell of a player. First team All American the year before I got there. Uh, I think he was second or third team that year, I like guess senior year. But, uh, and then Par Nilsson was another Swedish guy who uh, was multi time All American. Uh, was a year older than me. Uh, a guy named JC DeLeon, who's a Tulsa kid. Um, yeah. Who was, I think, number one junior ranked player at one point, like going into college and was on the 2000 national championship team along with uh, Charles Hall and Anders. Um, so, and then, um, then, so yeah, Hunter came in uh, the same year that I did, even though he was a class ahead. And uh, then Alex Noren, who has, uh, you know, <laughs> and the crazy thing with Alex is he was injured probably half the time we were in college. Like, we would all see him get healthy and the talent that he had, and just like, God, if he could just, you know, stay healthy. I remember there was one day we were playing at Stillwater Country Club, and he, in our qualifying round, and he hit a shot next to a blackjack tree, and, and his uh, left wrist went, like, right into a root, and he oh. was done for six months, and just that kind of stuff. And But uh, we all saw the talent that he had, and now he's, I mean, you know, 15-plus-year career yeah. with European yeah. tour and, you know, perennial top 100 guy on the PGA tour. And, um, and then, uh, the, uh, Leon brothers, uh, Tyler, the older one was, uh, was there, uh, I guess he was two years younger than me. Uh, he was, he was multi-time all American along with his brother just shortly after I left Trent. And, um, then if, uh, Pablo Martin was a guy that yeah. was, was there, my uh, he was a freshman and I was a senior, and he was uh, maybe the best hands I've ever seen on an individual. Like it, it, 
his imagination was his hands were better than his imagination. Like it was just unbelievable. Like Seve type, you know, yeah, typical right. Spaniard yeah. and not typical actually. I mean, it's incredible the things that he could do at the ball, but you know, they've just got the, uh, the way that they grow up playing. It's just like, that's the way you play. Uh, but uh, the, my favorite story though, from like the, something that could be a 30 for 30 on ESPN from college is Jonathan Moore who's now like one of their assistants up there. And uh, he he came in like the same year that Pablo did and was the number one ranked junior golfer and uh, comes in and within about, I'd say a month and a half, Karsten got in his head. And it can. It's wow. uh, I've seen it multiple times with guys that had been uh, in Stillwater and then out quickly. As, like by spring break, they were gone. Uh but so Karsten got in his head, couldn't get it on the golf course. Uh, we'd be out qualifying, and they would just the coaches would just send him to the range, be like, "Man, don't even worry about it. Like we're just wow. gonna yeah. we're just gonna call it good." That was May of 2005 when he just could not hit the golf ball straight. That's and unbelievable. In May of 2006, 365 days later wins the individual national championship. <laughs> That's pretty wild. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like, one of the craziest things, like, unless you were there seeing that, like, no one's going to know that. Right, like, right. Just unbelievable stuff. Very, but, very uh, cool. And also, <laughs> I've, I've mentioned several people that are in my top five humans I've ever known. Jay Moore's right there. Yep. Well, you mentioned uh, – Alex Norin, uh, I believe you guys roomed together at one point. We did. Uh, whether you told us this a long time ago or not, we've, we've affectionately referred to him as Snorin Norin uh, over the years. Uh, I think Chad Ford loves to loves to say that, uh, <laughs> as if you suggested he was a snorer. But uh, he's got that moniker, whether he knows it or not, <laughs> out there on tour. Um but talk a little bit about uh, your relationship with Hunter. Obviously, he has uh, had a kind of an, uh, an amazing career on tour, kind of bursting on the scene, uh, kind of being a world beater early. And then, uh, as we all know with golf, whether it's Jonathan Moore, as you just alluded to, uh, or, or Keith out at Twin Hills, it, it, it comes and goes, right? And you, you got to stick after it. And Hunter is experiencing that you know, almost as we speak. Uh, with some of the uh, the struggles that he's gone through in terms of golf. But uh, tell us a little bit about your relationship with Hunter and then uh, um, kind of how that has um, transpired and, and evolved over the years. Well, the first time that I – like Hunter and I played against each other in a lot of junior tournaments growing up, and he was uh, like originally from uh, Orange County in L.A. Yeah. and then moved to the Dallas area. I think it was uh, around – 12 or so. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it was around 12, 13, 14 when we started playing a lot of the same tournaments. And the first time I actually met Hunter was the U S junior, which like you know, national championship for junior yeah. players, USGA. And it was a uh, York country club in Pennsylvania. And I happened to be, uh, paired up with him in the first round of match play. And That's he was the number, num, number one ranked junior player at that point. And so I knew there were going to be a million college coaches watching him. Right. <laughs> Not me. <but laughs> <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
So we, we go out there and we had, we had pretty solid crowd that day. Coach Holder being one of those that was out there. And, um, so we, we get playing and I think I was like two down through nine or something like that. And it wasn't, wasn't playing bad, just wasn't playing good. And, uh, then I kind of turned it on for a few holes and squared it up with three to play. And I remember Hunter's dad was losing his mind. <laughs> and it was, I took every ounce of that and I was like, this is great. I just, if nothing more, I just like seeing him. <laughs> Watch him squirm, skin. right? Yeah. 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 And then I think Hunter birdied the next two holes and closed me out. But uh, that was the, that was the first point where uh, Coach Holder actually took notice. I mean, he knew who I was from just from basically like high school stuff in Oklahoma, but, and from coach McGraw, but, uh, that was the first time where he was like, Hey, this Rose kid might actually be decent. But, uh, it's kind of funny that that coincided with first day that Hunter and I, uh, met each other. But, um, and then, so yeah, we played, uh, together in college for a couple of years before he, I think he left a year early after, and with every right, I think he was the college player of the year and yeah. he was ready. Um, but uh, Hunter was always a giant Lakers fan. Makes sense. In college. Yeah, and, LA guy. Yeah. Uh, it, we'd sit there and, like, I adopted, this pre-Thunder days, of course, and uh, there were several of the guys in the on the golf team that were huge NBA fans that were from, you know, not Oklahoma. And uh, whether they were, like, Mavericks fans or, like, Hunter with Lakers fans, I was like, well, I mean, I just feel like I need to be in on this somehow. And I was like, I'll just – go old school and just I'll adopt the Celtics just for the hell of it. <laughs> Love it. And it was my team before the Thunder. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so we uh, – We talked I, about creating rivalries on the pod <laughs> with uh, Quaid and the rebound. Yeah. That's, that's a whole new level. <laughs> Who do you like? <laughs> oh, I like the rival. <laughs> <laughs> that was when that was when the Celtics were terrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tough, tough time to be a yeah, Celtics fan. If, if, if your best player is Tony Delk, you got a problem. But um, – <laughs> Anyway, so uh, I adopted them, and so, of course, Lakers probably didn't lose to the Celtics in a five-year period right? at that point. You know, it was a Shaq-Kobe years, but anyway, that was just – it was – he and I would get after each other on that. So he's uh, – Hunter's a great dude. Uh, and like you said, he's, he's had some struggles of late, but I don't think it's necessarily struggles that are – that he cares about that much yeah. because he's been like he he isn't putting in as much time as he did because he has more important things going on right now sure. with his with his family yeah. you know and like good for him the guy's got yeah, a sack absolutely. full of money money's not a problem like and it wouldn't surprise me in the next couple of years if there's there's been a million instances of guys who go through this exact process of uh you know being hyper successful in their 20s then start having a family then once the family's established and the kids are in, you know, middle school or whatever, yeah. they have get the, back time, after have the yeah. time to get back out there and do it. And in their 40s, they just kill it. And it wouldn't yeah. surprise me one bit if that's what he does. Interesting, really, because if you think about, again, talk, I love to to just have golf be relatable and the things that happen. That kind of no different than your, your casual, you know, weekend player, right? I mean, Absolutely. you go through that stretch where you, you got a lot going on, you got a young family, a lot more responsibilities. All of a sudden, the kids get eight or nine years old. They can, you know, maybe they put themselves to bed. They're not as uh, intense on the weekends. And, and then all of a sudden, you're playing better. So very interesting that he's going through that. And we, uh, um, until we start getting paid ads on this pod, we love to give free ads on this pod. Great podcast uh, that No Laying Up did with, Hunter, um, 
past few weeks, last month for sure, the heat, he kind of alludes to that where, you know, doesn't bother me a bit. I'm having a, I have a great life and I'm still working hard and still want, want to be the best and uh, things are trending that way. So, well, you know, we, we don't want to just make this about other, other, other folks, but I want to talk a little bit about a couple of your, um, you know, successful runs, although I maybe, maybe didn't end like you wanted to, but I, I don't know if folks realize that back in the day there was a tournament called the U- United States Amateur Publinks, and if I understand this, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sweet D, but specifically played on public golf courses, so kind of like the U.S. amateur version, but only played at public tracks, so still attracted a lot of high, high-level amateur golfers, which is the venues were, you know, maybe a little bit more homespun. And the you could only play it, the specific thing was you could only play in it if you weren't a member of the country club. Oh, I did not know that part. Right. Okay. So I believe back-to-back years, you made the the finals of that event and, uh, you know, had some had some bitter losses to a, a couple of names that folks will definitely uh, know that are still, uh, yeah, still out there getting it done on tour. So, so talk us through the two um, Publix runs that you had. Remind us what years years those were, and then you know, kind of you know, maybe the Cliff Notes version of who you kind of went through to to kind of get to the finals, and uh, then we'll give the big reveal of if you would have <laughs> if you would have closed the deal where you'd where you'd have been heading. Uh, most folks so, don't know that either. Uh, so the the first one that I got to the finals of was an 03, um, and that was in um, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Hmm. And it was at a, a golf course that, unfortunately, nine holes of it is now homes. Uh, <laughs> Familiar <laughs> but, story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, it was a, Blue Heron Pines was the name of the golf course. A really good track. Uh, but um, so I, I went through that one, and I would say, you know, I I, I was just happy to be there at that right. point because I mean, like, if you any anytime anyone qualifies for any USGA event, that's a big deal. Okay, like it's. Like I play, I was lucky enough to play in two U.S. Juniors uh, before that, but that was my I guess, yeah third USGA event to qualify for. So I was just happy to kind of be there. Like of course I had some, I wanted to do as well as I could, but I didn't have any like full on expectations. Right. Yeah. Um, and just I, I was hoping to get to match play, and you know once I got to match play, you just got to beat one guy at a time and see what happens. Um, so I went out there and qualified. Uh, I can't remember what my seed was that 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 year, but uh, got to match play, got through a few of the rounds, and one of the rounds, I think it was like the quarterfinal. Uh, most of the time, it was, you had to shoot two or three under par during your round, and it's match play, granted, so you're sure. not necessarily keeping score, like stroke play. But, yeah, I mean, you generally kind of know what. Yeah, you, no, what if you made some birdies, made some bogeys. Generally speaking, you got to shoot two, three under. Sometimes you run into a buzzsaw. Sometimes you are, you know, lucky enough to catch a guy on the wrong, uh, wrong speed that day. And remember the quarterfinal round. I think I shot seventy-eight and beat the guy <laughs> one up. It was just, I mean, some, luck of the draw. Some bad and golf you yes, played there. It was nasty. <laughs> it disgusting. But uh, and then the the round after that, I played against uh, Jeff Overton. Okay. And. Uh, <laughs> And was able I to laugh because was, of your uh, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> was, was able to was able to get past him, and we both played really well that round. That was Jeff uh, Overton. Was, for those who don't know, played on a Ryder Cup, so at least one. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and then after beating Overton, got to the finals playing against a guy named Brant Snedeker. Uh, I heard of him. Yeah. Yep. 
household name. And um, so got out there that morning. Well, let me back up a minute. So I don't want to steal the thunder of the uh, the big reveal, the big reveal, but it kind of leads to the lens to the story, if I may. Uh, please, by all means. So the uh, winner uh, at the time of the United States Amateur Pub Links was uh, awarded a spot in a tournament that I think most would you say most people have heard of most um, the Masters again the Masters. So uh, I'll let you take it from there. So as soon as I won the semifinal match, of course, that was all that was on my head. Right, just, uh, as it should have been. And uh, I don't remember that I what I ate that night. Don't remember if I ate that <laughs> night. But I, I, I probably didn't get more than two or three hours sleep. Like I was, sure. I, I, I didn't get nervous, like for much of anything. But that's hands down the most nervous I've ever been in my life. Uh, until I got to the golf course that next morning and got a golf club in my hand. Right. And I was like, okay, now I'm back to where I was yesterday when I left the course. You know, like it's, it snaps back in. And uh, I'll spare you the details on how the round went, other than one kind of fun one. We were, it was a, like the, the finals of the, of the pub links is a 36-hole match. All, okay. the, all the other matches are 18. The finals are 36, and so we get done. We know we have to play 36, and Brant, as... Uh, a lot of people are aware has a has a pretty uh, quick pace of play. Yeah, I was along the same thread, and we played our first eighteen, and I think two hours and forty minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's unreal! <laughs> walking, obviously, yeah, for those walking. who may not yeah. be uh, educated on how amateur golf works. And so we uh, we get done with the first eighteen. I think I was like. I was two, maybe three down or something like that. I think I was under par, but like Brant was playing well. And okay. uh, so we, we, we get done with the that first 18 and uh, we're sitting there having lunch. Have, we're supposed to have like an hour break sitting there having lunch. And we get done with eating. We're just sitting there staring at each other. Like <laughs> what are we going to do for that long? Like, do, can we just, and we, so we called over a USGA official, like, can we go and, yeah, I guess you guys can. So we'll start it up 30 minutes before where we were, when we were supposed to. So we go and tee it up a little earlier than we were scheduled to. And uh, he shoots 29 oh, the next night. Golly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And beats me 10 and 9. Oh, my gosh. I was two under par for 27 holes, and he beat me 10 and 9. Just you just got to tip the cap. Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, well, what are you going to do about that? that? Pop Good putting Lord. stroke probably uh, haunts dreams at this point. Oh I mean, God. he was just rolling him in from this, everywhere. The definition of a buzzsaw, right wow. there. But uh, I mean, can't I? I wasn't mad about it. I mean, there's nothing yeah. I could do. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like I said, it wasn't like I was playing like hell. But uh, so we get done. We're doing the like the trophy presentation on the 18th green, and the TV people are showing up to sh- to for. Like to show the second round, <laughs> <laughs> and you're already <laughs> done. We're done between yeah. the fast first round and the, and the getting closed getting, out early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you've never told me that part. <laughs> well, sorry guys. You know, maybe catch it on YouTube, but it, not invented uh, yet. <laughs> so got, not in 2003. Yeah, got to change my flight and got home when the sun went down in Oklahoma. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's dude. pretty good. Well, 2004 probably can't top that, but you know, walk us through yeah. that one. <laughs> 2004 was a little bit different scenario. They had, you know, had the 
with air quotes success uh, <laughs> that year to be able to get to in 2003 to get to the finals. Right. And then the 2004, I had some actual expectations when I got there. Sure. And um, so showed up and had actually gotten the yips a week before. <laughs> Play, I can't remember what tournament I was playing in, but the I mean, putting was, yips specifically. Yeah, put, putting yips. It was just god awful. So I went up to uh, Colorado. A buddy of mine uh, was the head pro at Cordillera up there, and they have one of those Dave Pell's short game academies. And so I went up there and, and stayed with him for three or four days and uh, just like worked on short game stuff and happened to get something mentally that worked for me as far as putting was concerned and just to get. You know, it was, I think what it was, was like, just get some sort of routine to where like, when you're ready to go, just like pop your thumb down on top and then go. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's, it was just routine oriented to where it gets your brain from, keep from thinking about technical stuff. Right. And so that happened to work a little bit early on, but uh, the second round of the stroke play qualifying, once you get, once you're there, you got two, two rounds of stroke play. Then the top 64 move on to match play. Okay. And so the second round of the stroke play portion of that, I got the yips back. Oh, God. And shot like, I think it was like 78 that second round. Didn't think I was going to make match play. And uh, it was like, I had my dad like looking at flights for the evening to get back home early. Just happened to get lucky enough to where everybody else started playing poorly. I think the wind kicked up that afternoon and, uh, happened to get in. I think it was like the 58 seed or something like that. Okay. And then once I uh, was able to get on the course there, uh, the next day things just kind of started feeling a little bit better. And then long story short there, got back to the finals there again. And that went through Brendan Steele and Jason Kokrak in that. <laughs> both both names you can recognize? Believable. And uh, then got through those guys in addition to a couple others <laughs> to play Ryan Moore in the finals there. And that was in, that was just outside of Minneapolis. But uh, What course was that? Do you remember? I can't remember the name of it. And was it, at that time, was the public before? Probably now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, a Maple. Maple. it's a lovely new Target <laughs> for those who know Minneapolis and where, right, where yeah, Target yeah. is based. But Target well, at the time, was the Publix before or after the U.S. Amateur? Before. It was about a month and a half before. Okay, yeah. so for those who... May not know Ryan Moore because again we have some more casual golf fans that are their listeners. Uh, Ryan Moore goes on to win the U.S. Amateur Championship. He had also won the NCAA Championship, and um, as as DBR is about to tell you, uh, became the only person to win all three of these events. And um, another one of the major amateur tournaments, uh, the Western Amateur. Yep, that same. I summer. forgot about that. Yep, uh, he's that was at the time up there with uh, Bobby Jones type amateur summers yeah <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely uh, but uh yeah ryan that was a, a similar situation not quite the ass kicking that i got from brant the year before but again that was two or three under for what 30 holes or so and i think i got beat six and five uh but uh yeah ryan was just he just had it on lockdown that entire summer yeah um wasn't gonna but, wasn't gonna be beat that summer that's for yeah. sure that one that one hurt though like that was the first time that my, I remember we, I of course did all the like post round interviews with a smile on my face and all that junk. And then once we got done, 
like uh, I got put the put the clubs in the in the trunk and like dad uh, dad said like to this day like, he he was the one that had to tell me about it because I didn't remember but he's like you didn't talk for like six hours he's like yeah. I I could tell that one that one stung but because uh, again it's like you wake up that morning and you're like again I've got this opportunity today if I if I win today I'm in the, I play in the Masters right yeah but yeah. that one hurt uh, well <clears throat> I appreciate you. Kind of open it up about it because I, I I know I haven't known you for this long that it's a, it's a tough thing, you know. It, again, just fantasy land, you know. When you kind of grow up playing golf, or, or certainly now, you know, for those you know, all of our listeners are turns out not elite golf talents, and uh, most and of only, them actually, <laughs> I'd say most, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you know, dream of going to the Masters, like you know, to eat a pimento cheese, let alone to be a, a participant. So. Uh, it's good stories, right? Good, good content for the podcast, but at the same time, it was uh, it was painful, I'm sure. So I appreciate you opening up about that. So let's get to get to happier times. Let's uh, want to dive into Prairie Dunes a yeah. little bit, right? So uh, having played there uh, yourself, having competed in a high level uh, golf championship, give the listeners a sense of what the guys uh, who are uh, just completing uh, kind of the first day uh, are experiencing and will experience over the next couple of days. Uh, in a couple fronts, tell us about the format, maybe, uh, of the the Big Twelve Championship, and then and then dive deep uh, from your impressions at the time of Prairie Dunes. Was that your uh, sole time of getting up there? And then, um, you know, just where, where maybe you rank might be a strong word, but where do you put it in terms of all the golf that you've played? So, uh, Big Twelve tournament, as far as the format, is four round stroke play. Okay. And um, pretty sure it has been always. Yep. Like maybe early times they might have done a match play thing, but uh, four rounds of stroke play. First day is thirty six holes, which is a bear. Uh, no matter what, no matter where it's no matter what course you're playing. <laughs> and but inevitably, this time of year, you get days like today outside. Uh, that are where the wind, you know, is blowing 25 to 30 and gusting near 40 every once in a while. And I'm sure west of Wichita, it's probably higher than that. Oh, yeah. In Hutchinson. So uh, there are no calm days at Prairie Dunes. No, no. no. And uh, so it's like, you know, it's it's tough enough if you were to think about it, if you're like a you're a an amateur gymnast. Okay. And you're trying to just get up on top of think of it yeah our age guys get up on top of a balance beam and just try to walk across the balance beam that's you know three four feet in the air yeah that's tough enough as it is yeah that's what it's like on a calm day and so then put a fan on that's blowing 40 <laughs> miles an hour from one direction and walk across was, it after that. I was, tell, I was telling Dayton right before we recorded a couple of those elevated tees whenever you and I played it last month, I, I had to grab Jay Till because I thought it was going to you know blow him off the tee box or whatever. I mean, it's it's insane. It, it, we can't, like, words don't don't fully paint the picture, right? And it's, and it's hard enough to, like, hitting your golf ball is just a, a piece of the puzzle with right. that as far as, like, full shots are concerned because it's, it's not, this golf course has, maybe 10 trees on the entire property. Yep. It is like, it's, it's main. It's, it, it's built into a, like, like it's built into sand dunes. Yep. As, hence the name Prairie Dunes. And so the, the only, 
defense that it, that it has is the wind that you just inevitably have. And then also uh, on either side of the fairway, instead of trees, like we talked about with Karsten, like the fairways are generous, but you just better not mess it outside of it. And up there, it's high grass and native grasses, as I guess they would probably refer to. They it. refer to it as Gunch, gunch, for the record. The gunch. <laughs> yeah. We heard a lot about the gunch. Yeah, the gunch. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's – and they're rarely – like a lot of golf – a lot of golf courses in Oklahoma anyway, uh, and it's not just here, but they have a tendency whenever they're designed to go along uh, roads, like just based on the where the property lines are. Okay. So there's a lot of north, south, east, west type stuff. Okay. Prairie Dunes didn't like that. There's a lot of northwest and then like northwest to southeast, southeast to northwest, all that, like the, every yeah. single angle you can possibly get. So it's not like you're going to get a few holes where you can get comfortable. Sure. Like it's, crosswind, you know, downwind, yeah. end of the wind, crosswind the other way. Yeah. Right, right. So it's, uh, and then you get to the green. And so if the, <laughs> if the, if you're lucky enough to hit the green regulation, then you've got, you know, very difficult undulating greens to just to read in general, but then add in what gusts may come about while you're putting, which is <laughs> much more difficult than I think is given credit for. Oh, you're talking uh, about like wind and putting? Wind putting. Oh my yes. gosh. I mean, well, unbelievably well, so. Well, let's talk about that because whenever JTL was up there last month, you know, we, we made jokes about, you know, the ball oscillating while we're on the green stuff. But if, if you're in a super competitive format – and you're at a super high level, which obviously, you know, you you were and still are, to be honest with you. I mean, whenever you're standing over your putt, addressing the ball, and the ball is moving, I mean, it it screws with your head, right? has to. You, I mean, well, putting is, I would say, 70% confidence. Yeah. If yeah. your ball's moving, <laughs> that confidence it's, is it's toast. Gonna freak, it freaked me out, right? You're done. So, yeah. yeah. And so it's, at that point, it legitimately has a, I mean, a large amount of that is luck. You know, whether you're going to catch it, the, the best thing you can do, best thing you can do is just, like, make sure you hit it solid. Right. That's it. Don't worry about the result. Hit it solid. That's all you can do. Um, but uh, quick story on um, – Yeah, I was going to say, walk us through some of your memories of Prairie Dunes whenever you, you were you were back at Oklahoma a, State back in the day. I was actually going to walk you through a memory of my father's at Prairie Dunes. Oh, oh fire away. Yeah, even better. Let's I do mean, it. honestly <laughs> – we're really just using you to get Maury on the podcast, to be honest. I don't blame you one bit. He's, he's, he's this is all a, leverage, baby. He's got a oh, Dayton lot came on? Okay, I, I mean, if Dayton did it, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> we need three uh, hours for Maury. Yeah, no doubt about <laughs> Two-parter, that. Two-parter, baby. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so, so Dad, as I alluded to earlier, was uh, uh, quite a golfer himself when he was younger and, and still is. He th- I think he turned 70 this year, and I, last year he got within two shots of his age. Uh, so he, it wouldn't surprise me <laughs> if this good. year is the yeah. year that you're he all, You're always chasing, it. baby. But uh, uh, when he was uh, in college, he played golf at uh, Oklahoma City University back when it was Division One. Okay. And uh, he played in the uh, Trans-Mississippi Amateur Tournament, which at the time was a huge yep, at the time, amateur yeah. tournament. I the history of that, and, for sure. Um, I think, like, the last – I think the last four guys that were in that is a match play tournament. The last four that were in it the year that he got as far as he did were uh, Stadler, Gary Koch, Ben Crenshaw, and Dad. Whoa. That's incredible. And 
so he, he played against uh, Gary. That's unbelievable. Gary Koch in the semifinal. And for those who don't know, Gary Koch better, better than, than most. most. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he plays against Koch, and uh, I don't know the specific of, specifics of the actual round, but after the round, uh, Koch said, "There's a guy playing in that other match, Crenshaw. Uh-huh. He thinks he's a good putter. I've never seen anything like you." Wow. Like to get that kind of praise, I mean that's rare. Um, and, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but uh, Dad said that was hands down the like most unconscious round of putting he's ever had in his life. But uh, again, back to the like the putting at Prairie Dunes. I mean, you got to be doing it. They ain't just pure luck. Like you got to know, yeah, you gotta yeah. have some clue, some semblance of uh, how to how to read greens and you know assume <laughs> x amount of movement for x amount of miles per hour kind of thing. But uh, anyway, just had to drop that in there with Dad having. Oh, and I think that round, Dad at one point had the uh, course record on the back nine of twenty nine at Prairie Dunes. Whoa, <laughs> that's pretty uh, cool, man. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Don't know if that's still there or not, but uh, anyway, I'd be remiss if I didn't. Yeah, give, give, give some love to pops. Give Dad a little pub there. Um, but uh, anyway, my recollection. My recollection of uh, of Prairie was uh, I, that was my first time to the time that I played in the. And you get to remind us one more time was that oh f- two thousand was year the Big year 12. that you played there okay yeah. okay so that, yeah I, and I actually do have the Big Twelve record book pulled up and yes Anders Holtman was the uh, was the medalist um, that week uh, UT takes down the I'm sure you would right. tell us this but what did uh, we we lost by one. Uh, let's see. We have an 850 total to an 851. Lost by one stroke over 850 of them. Um, yeah, OU in 3853. So at that point, that was just a three round thing then. Uh, one, two, three. Yep, you're correct. Um, there, uh, 2002, late April, as it's always held in, at, uh, in this time at Prairie Dunes. Uh, Andrews Holtman. Uh, the medalist John Kidwell from OU, Jason Hartwick from UT, the top three hunter, as uh, I guess would have been a kind of a sophomore, mm-hmm. uh, was in fourth place. Um, and those guys separated. And then by next about year, shot. next year won the Big Twelve by thirteen himself. I uh, was just about to go there at Southern Hills, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna get to some of these uh, things. I specifically want to ask you about a certain golfer that finished second in the uh, 04 Big Twelve Championship, which uh, I guess maybe you weren't on the, the five the five man that year. No. But uh, we'll get there. So tell us your recollections. But uh, that year, I'd been told by my dad and then uh, a ton of other just good golfers from Oklahoma about how amazing Prairie Dunes was and just how different it was and unique. And uh, so that was my, my first time to go there was for the Big 12 championship. And uh, we got up there and we had um, a practice round that was, I think, what I recall, pretty good weather, pretty uh, docile. Okay. And then we got up the next morning for the 36 whole day. Or for, I guess at that point it was just 18. Yeah. And uh, so we, the, the first day was just, uh, it was blowing about like it was out of the South and so quite difficult. Just, you know, go out and not just try, not try to survive really, but just don't blow it out of the water. Yeah. You know, get it's yourself like you, around, manage your game you, around. You know, you're going to have some difficulties. Just don't, don't don't kill your team. Uh, the I think it was the uh, that night 
the wind shifted and blew the exact same 25 from the north. Completely different golf course. Absolutely. You go from hitting, you know, like I think it's number 10, that's like 165 yards or something yep. like that. A little part three. three. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like you go from hitting like a flip sandwich into that to hitting like a knockdown six iron. Yeah, which, by the way, you can see from the tee, you can see very little of the actual green surface yeah, it because elevated, it, it looks like elevated, sand yeah. dunes and gunch yeah. and, a, and a flag kind of sticking up is what yeah. you see from the tee. And that's the the brilliance of Maxwell. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like the like take a take a like this tiny little amount of land, which if you're it's right next to the clubhouse, yep. you know, and so it's, it's something that should be like a waste type of area. Like you wouldn't <laughs> think to do what he did yeah, with yeah. that green. And it's a very difficult short part. Absolutely. Uh, but that's what, I mean, the guy just based, like, visually could just completely stymie you. Uh, but that's what, a lot of what Prairie does. And like I said, with the not having any consistent uh, directions that you're going, like hole to hole, and like feeling like you've got, oh, I remember this shot from the last hole that was like similar wind direction, similar distance. You just, you can't get comfortable. Yeah, that golf it's course. always off a different degree of, the, right. of, your, of your right or a different degree of your left. Right. Uh, we, uh, we definitely thought that. All right. So we kind of skip over Oh three, although we shouldn't, you mentioned Hunter absolutely destroys the field at Southern Hills and Oh three, um, Southern Hills is something we could go, we could go as deep a dive on as we could on Prairie Dunes. entire podcast maybe, on that. Maybe, maybe yeah. we'll, let's, let's stagger these we'll, things right too. We'll, so we're at 90 we'll, minutes right we'll, now. We'll so. pick that up in, in May, whenever the, the senior <laughs> PGA timely. is be timely. Yeah. Southern Hills, but Hunter destroys the field at the 03 uh, Big 12 Championship at Southern Hills. And then we go back to Prairie Dunes in 04. And uh, a guy that all golf fans, uh, certainly those who uh, have a kind of a cult following, as you will, will uh, remember this guy. But uh, the wind kicks back up. And in 04, uh, Jason Hartwick, who absolutely no one will remember from UT, wins the tournament. But a guy we like to call AK finishes second. Uh, that year, uh, pretty distant. Uh, Hartwick was a 204, and Kim was a 213, so a little bit back there. But uh, tell us about the paths crossing with Mr. Anthony Kim. Uh, maybe your best AK story, if you have one. Just kind of what you remember. Uh, he finishes second in, uh, in 04, wins the darn thing in 05 down at Whispering Pines uh, pretty comfortably over a couple of your guys. Uh, Snor and Norin and uh, Zach Robinson, who we have not brought up yet. But uh, again, I know you're a, you're an Okie State alum, but uh, let's go a little bit south on 35 and tell us about AK. Folks love to hear the AK story, including us. So the first time I met Anthony was, I was probably 16. He was 13 or so. Grew up in LA. Yep. Right. Yep. And, uh, I remember, I think I played a practice round with him, like at the Rolex in Sacramento or something like that. And uh, he was brazen to say the least. (laughs) Shocker. How would he have gotten along with Coach Holder? (laughs) (laughs) I I can't remember how many conversations that I had with Holder about, like, are we recruiting this guy or what? And he was just like, guy can play. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) But uh, I, like, Full on will tell you the my first few years of knowing Anthony, I was like, no, I am I could not like that guy less. Wow. But then in college, 
uh, once I was around him more, like playing amateur stuff in the in the uh, summers and whatnot, actually really got to like the guy. Like, uh, was just kind of misunderstood, I think. Um, I think Did that also coincide with you going to college and maybe uh, getting getting a little bit more uh, comfortable, you know, on the social spectrum, or with uh, with, with humans outside with, of just with uh, humans the outside of the, the starter at the local uh, the John Conrad, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a little more understanding of humans, yeah, part of the college experience, yeah. right? Kind of growing right. as a person, yeah. But uh, he's uh, honestly has one of the best personalities you'll ever come across, and of course he puts that on full display when he's played in uh, like not just PGA Tour events, but specifically Ryder Cup and President's oh, yeah. Cup as well. Sure, absolutely. But uh, I've never seen a guy that can ride momentum like he can uh, and doesn't necessarily have the negative side of that either. Hmm. Like uh, had for somebody that is as volatile as he is emotionally uh, was uh, emotionally like he most of the time people ride at both directions. Uh, I never saw the negative side of it from him. I think he had a pretty good handle on it, uh, which is a pretty rare. Yeah, absolutely. Ability, sure. Uh, in my opinion, but. Um, I think the, the, I'm just going to tell like the first part of the story because I honestly don't know the end of it. <laughs> Sounds the, like the AK story yeah. in general. <laughs> <laughs> but I had uh, some buddies that, uh, you know, of course you play in all the same golf tournaments and a lot of the same amateur stuff in the, in the summertime. But as uh, the guys that played at OU and so I went down like one weekend for an OU football game. And stayed uh, stayed with a couple of my buddies that were on the the OU team at the time, and and when AK was there, and uh, we went over to the uh, OU golf like the center that's on like the the south side of the range. I can't the yeah, Charlie Charlie Co. Center. Charlie yeah. Co. Yeah. yeah, and uh, it had like a like a oh I guess a, a video room that had like a couch and it was like a pull out couch. And I walk in there and he's in there and he pulled out said couch and there was a girl on either side of him <laughs> just sitting there like watching a movie and nice. I was just like and he's a freshman <laughs> it's like you talk about a guy that's got a little different handle on yeah. the way things are going yeah. B- bde right so a little, so, little, yeah. little bit different scenario yeah. than old dbr's <laughs> freshman road <laughs> yeah we'll call it charisma mm-hmm. you know uh so, some people just have that knack you know yeah. i guess yeah. you spend your uh, senior year of high school living in uh was it palm springs that he lived his, his parents put him up in a house so he could kind of you know, play junior golf out there it probably uh transitions well to the, the couch of the charlie co center yeah for sure that's about yeah. same. <laughs> oh man what a what an absolute legend uh you know we were still burnt sense of the word we are still burnt at him for for bailing on us uh a couple That's months right. ago we, we had him lined Good up thing that our man uh, yeah our uh, man chris, chris, chris Beat came through to stepped be the, in the backup yeah, the AK. second second most famous ak in the golf world that's right yeah. uh, absolutely well um we are getting on in time here and we would hate to have a guest come on the pod and not get to play our favorite type of golf hole which is the short par four and so, short par four is a segment we love to do for kind of quick hitting questions, uh, golf and golf adjacent, I guess we'll say. Mr. Needham, if you wouldn't mind, tee the man up and let him take one of those beautiful 340-yard swings at the short par four. I mean, three forties, two iron. We have to only have three questions for Sweet D because he just uh, drives the par four and then uh, right. well, he, he does three putts. So we'll give him a. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, we still got four questions. That's Take, right. That's take right. credit where credit needs to be taken. All right, Dean. So teeing off here on the short par four, short par four, my friend. Excuse me. Um, tell us about your last round of golf, bud. Last round of golf is a kicking bird. Oh, uh, not this last week, not the last couple of days weekend, but the weekend before. Uh, went out there and played, and the greens were lightning. They have been absolute concrete for yes. like four you, you months. You and Scooter were out there not long ago. Gosh, yeah. it is just I loved like, it, though. Yeah, it's great. It's they, fun. Yeah, yeah. Every, everything inside of 10 feet, you roll it. It goes where you roll it. And uh, But the actually had it going pretty well that day. Uh, ended up shooting 66, and um, it, was, it was fun. Got a little hammered, had a couple girts. It was great. Well, I'm Love sure that it. you didn't get to take your shirt off like you did at John Conrad. I did. So I was, was a probably upset about a little, that. little restrictive. Probably you would have shot 64 on yeah. a day like that, at Conrad. Yeah, <laughs> no, we got we got paired uh, up with a guy, Randy. 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 Big, shout shout big, out to Randy. Shout out to Randy. Randy, if you're listening, Sweet D clearly was a fan. I can tell from the inflection. he would definitely remember playing with you. I don't know if you remember playing with him, but <laughs> he would remember like, playing with I you. Think I guarantee tell us a little it. bit more about Randy. Randy was a retired Navy guy. Ooh, okay. Uh, Thank you for your service, Randy. Yep. He was a very nice gentleman. A little deliberate, (laughs) we'll say. Okay, okay. Um, And uh, Dedicated to the process? Dedicated to the process. Had a lot of questions about (laughs) how to play better golf, but... I'm sure after he watched you hit it two or three times, he's like, shit, this guy's pretty good. After, <laughs> you, after he saw you shoot 66 drunk, I bet he had a lot of questions. <laughs> no, he didn't get to ask him. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Randy is not an answer to this question, unfortunately, for the the second shot into the, sh- into the short par four. But uh, tell us the golfer out there on tour that you love to hate. Love to hate? Yes. Uh, the one that's coming to my mind immediately, and I, I there's a there's a better one, but I, right now all I can think of is Bubba Watson. Oh, okay. Yeah, that has yeah, been, I think like you're it. the first one to say yeah. Bubba Watson. Okay, fire away. Uh, the main thing is the buttoning of the top button. <laughs> can't, I can't handle it. Oh, from a golf fashion standpoint, I, I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, yeah. Bubba yeah. just he, he buttons it all the way up. Didn't now talk, taking it back to timely events uh, at the Zurich this weekend. You know he was paired with Scotty Scheffler. I think Scotty Scheffler says like, "Well, I had to play with Bubba because nobody else likes him. No one else is going to play yeah, with him." Like right? Six so people. I, I think he said that. Right. Right? <laughs> but I will say, you know, Bubba and Scheffler like all team team all footwork. I mean, those guys oh can absolutely get it done when it comes Fred to the transition to the ball. Just uh, tippy-toes out there. Yep. Good good answer. Bubba Watson. Uh, I like that we, one. We, we've christened a new uh, love-to-hate Hall of Fame. Uh, Keith, if you would, uh, let's let Dayton uh, miss this birdie putt on the short birdie par Birdie putt on the short par four, Dayton. <laughs> so let's assume that you get one last round of golf, bud. Where are you going to play with the caveat being that it has to be a course that you've previously played? My number one favorite track I've ever played, not necessarily most difficult, but favorite is Muirfield Village in Dublin, Ohio. Ooh, Jack's course, right? Yep, yeah, Jack's place. That's uh, it, You can make double on every hole and you can birdie every hole. It's in, impeccably preserved and manicured. It's as fun of go- – and like the, the – the cool grasses up there are just a lot easier to deal with than our Bermuda. 
you know? Yeah. And it's uh, just, it's just a fun golf course to play and really difficult. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. A, a gym, uh, well conditioned as you're going to find anywhere in the world. And then on top of that, uh, it has some history and has some, uh, really, really cool golf holes. All right. We're tapping in for par here on the short par four yet. You're going to actually get two answers to this question because I know you're a big movie guy. Two dragons. <laughs> two dragons here. Uh, the first question here is movie about the golf life of Dayton Rose. What famous golfer, specifically famous golfer, like PGA Tour, of any vintage of any era? What famous golfer is going to play you in the golf life of Dayton Rose? And then I have a follow up. Oh God, that's that's a tough one. Uh, I think of non assholes. <laughs> it's not that difficult. Not many out there, honestly. <laughs> yeah. may, have dig, may have to dig deep here. <laughs> uh, tiger. Yeah. Sands accidents. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, and it's, there have uh, been a couple accidents as well myself. <laughs> you know, it's, Neither you here guys, you there, guys have the same build. There's no allegedly, yeah, you know, never convicted. We'll just call it uh, uh, Tiger. You know, I, I think you're right. Yeah, he, he gets it out there. He uh, uh, you know, definitely athletic guy. I think Tiger Woods is an appropriate answer there. Haven't done this yet, but I'm going to say what actor in general, person, I suppose actor, but what 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 actor in general would play you uh, in the in the uh, in the life of Dayton Rose? Uh, I'm not going to say that I'm not as handsome as this guy was. Okay. When don't he, don't when sell he, your when show he looked sure. more like me, but I'm going to say Dennis Quaid, 1995. Oh, yeah, nice, nice. Strong, I, hey, strong job. Hey, I mean, did, Dennis, Dennis Quaid was in town recently, right? So he was He's doing a movie, a movie here, right? Yeah. So uh, our man, uh, Chris Caldwell played golf with him out at, uh, at Twin Hills. I think uh, right. it's been uh, a couple months ago or something now. Yeah. Yeah. They filmed something in Guthrie, if I'm not mistaken. I think right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very uh, cool. you know, Keith's more of a Randy Quaid guy, but uh, we'll leave that there. Uh, <laughs> Shitter's full. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what a treat we have. I mean, we could, I mean, I know yeah, I said no, this no. about several years. There, we could go there will on be a follow-up here. Yeah, yeah. Dayton Day will come with back. DBR. Absolutely. People are going to be yes. clamoring for yes. us. I mean, the phones are going to be off the, off the hook yep. with this one. The answering machine is going to be totally full. But... Uh, Sweet D, really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Uh, you know, all this whole podcast has really just been a long con to have you actually come on the podcast. <laughs> We've tried to get some less important people like, you know, Coach Bratton, Coach Hibble, Quaid, some of those no names. But uh, really appreciate you coming on. This has been a been a treat yep. uh, in every uh, every sense of the word, for Hell sure. Hell of a time, boys. I'll come yep. back anytime. Yeah, absolutely. And just to echo those sentiments, obviously Date and I have known each other for a long time, but have worked together um, uh, at, the, at the same place for the last few years. And I'll just say that uh, one of the best, most genuine people uh, that you're ever going to come across. And, uh, you know, hopefully, I think that comes across on the podcast as well with some of the stories and uh, uh, some of the insight that he's providing. But uh, um, hell of a golfer, even better person. So I appreciate liar, you coming on, buddy. Thank you. So now, now, absolutely true. So, but uh, uh, well, well, plugs, right, JTL? I, I guess we have to throw it out there, my friend. So YSO Golf, you want to throw it out there? We are getting very, very loose out there on the Twitter feed at YSO Golf. We've been having a lot of fun uh, with a lot of different topics as of late. 
Obviously, we are coming in strong on the Big 12 championship. Uh, do, we, do we need an up-to-date, uh, yeah. up-to-the-minute I can provide an up-to-date here as of 7.12 p.m. Central Time on Monday evening, ladies and gentlemen. OU in the clubhouse at plus 17. Oklahoma State one stroke behind at plus 18. Texas at plus 22 with a couple golfers left to go. Texas Tech a few strokes back at plus 27. Go Cowboys. Well. Yep. So yep. it looks like the soon, it looks like Bedlam is going to go into day. Oh, could it be any other way? Day oh, number it. two, love round it. number three. Love it. Right there at the lead. We have it's two showcasing more days Oklahoma of the golf. Big yep. 12 championship left. We're going to cover it in full at YSO Golf out on Twitter. Been throwing a lot of stuff out on the old Instagram, which uh, is under my own name, Jonathan W. Teal, under the uh, the YSO umbrella. A lot of good pictures to be had. Follow it all. Get involved. And uh, as always, we have the father network of all things sports. Keith, tell them about where they can find you and all you're doing over at uh, Fantasy Sports. Absolutely. Check us out. Uh, everything that the Sports Pros Network is doing online at fantasysportspros.com uh, or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember that is pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. And you mentioned those pictures. We're going to have a lot of great content coming on later in the week, obviously, uh, from Prairie Dunes, uh, from our, our trip up there on Wednesday. Looking forward to that final round of the Big 12 Championship. And I think there's only one way to probably sign off with this pod, and it would be, what did the Lama say? Gunga? Gunga. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Carl Spackler. <laughs> I've got another Carl Spackler on here, so I, I can I can uh, uh, tee this one up, I think, if you guys want to want to go out on a uh, on a high note. Cinderella Starry, out of nowhere, a former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. It looks like I'm a rat. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! <laughs> Doesn't get any better than that, right? So, <laughs> Carl's back right now. Again, we're going to bring Dayton back on and just fire at, fire at him. Movie quotes, right? Oh, That's going to happen. Day- I mean, I'm not kidding. Dayton and I could sit down. Over uh, just the what most we like, irreverent what we like to call a beverage called goofy, a Midwest, a Midwest City movies, and absolutely go four to five hours deep, just back and forth between Caddyshack, Top Gun, Ten Cup. I can I'm, go. I'm on. passing this quote unquote gift along to the next generation as well. My son Jordan, oh, oh is, yeah, is well versed in Dumb and Dumber and Billy Madison. Caddyshack's next. Well, keep an eye out. Jordan Rose, uh, obviously a, uh, a hell of an athlete in his own right for yes, to be is. such a young man, right? Hell of a basketball player, and uh, I wouldn't shock me if he picks up the sticks at some point as well, right, Dave? Wouldn't be surprised one day. Sweet yeah. baby Jay. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, ladies and gentlemen, again, that will wrap it up for this episode. A megapod here, and uh, again, big thanks to Dayton for uh, hanging with us and having a couple of beverages and talking golf and uh, having a good time here. But again, check us out. Uh, everything we're doing online, uh, that was a uh, that was a cold beverage uh, from Jay Till there. Uh, online at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, that is pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. More coming at you later this week. Live from the uh, the the Prairie Dunes Big Twelve Championship, we'll be uh, tweeting out a bunch of stuff. We'll be recording a lot of stuff, getting a lot of good interviews as well. So super excited about the trip up there, uh, and uh, looking forward to all of that. So, but uh, again, I think that will wrap it up, right, Jay Till? Boomer Center, go Cowboys! As always, ladies and gentlemen, get out there and enjoy the walk. <laughs>